You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. so wonderful that Paul the Apostle writes in Philippians chapter 3 and he says whatever was to my profit and he's talking in everything in life he's talking everything about my former life everything was to my profit I now consider a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord I want to know the power of his resurrection but also the fellowship fellowship there is nothing like coming close to Jesus If only we had the heart of Paul. It may seem impossible, but when we abandon our old nature and allow Christ to transform us, it can be a reality. As Pastor Danny will remind us in today's message, Paul's heart was so focused on glorifying God that he forfeited his own goals and desires if they didn't align with his mission to spread the gospel. There was nothing special about him. It was God who enabled him because he died to his selfless nature and submitted himself fully to his will. Now here's Pastor Danny in Revelation chapter 3 with today's edition of The Living Word. lukewarm condition is directly linked to the comfort of their lives. They had time for the movies. They had time for the mall. They had time to make sure they're getting the latest fashion down. They had time for the business and the financial investments. And I don't think it's a stretch. As a matter of fact, I think it fits the church of Laodicea because they were blessed You know, some of them had the extra home in the hills or the extra home down on the beach, and some of them, you know, were able to purchase the camper. Some of them actually had a boat. (laughs) And I know we've been here before, but here we are again. I, I, I love the boat that God gave me. That's what we want to do, don't we? We, we, we say, oh, God gave us the camper. Uh, and that, that could be absolutely true. You know, absolutely true. But isn't it a practical challenge for all of us that when we're blessed materially, you know, you, 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 the priorities, that's the challenge. That is the challenge. And here's Jesus' counsel. Buy gold refine in the fire. That's the first thing he says. In Bible days, the smelters would take the gold brought in from the mines. They'd heat it by fire until it liquefied. And when it liquefied, in time, the the dross, as it's called, the dross, the impurities would come out because of the heat. The impurities would come to the top and they they would remove the dross. And it's interesting what he says here. 
buy from me. Buy from me. Now, he's not talking about salvation. We know that. We don't buy salvation. By grace are we saved through faith. We know that. But he's talking about now something that will cost us. He's not talking about salvation. We can't buy salvation, but he's saying, buy from me gold refined in the fire. In other words, it's going to cost you something to get what I'm offering you. It will cost you something. You can't just have it like you got salvation. You can't just say, oh, Lord, give it to me. No, there's a cost involved in it. And then he says, buy from me white clothes. Buy from me. Just like the gold refined in the fire, this clothing would cost them something. When we get to Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, and you see the saints in heaven, and they're clothed with white linen. And it says there, the white linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. The righteous acts. They did something. And if you're going to get these white clothes that they did not presently have, just like the gold, it would cost them something. It wouldn't just come. It wouldn't just come by Bible reading. It wouldn't just come by prayer. It'll cost you something. There's a sacrifice involved. Thirdly, he says, buy salve for your eyes. And that was especially pointed for a Laodicean Christian because of the salve that became uh, well-known and in demand that would help people physically, physically, help their eyes physically. And they needed help spiritually. Spiritually, they were blind. They didn't see. They didn't realize that their priorities had gotten out of kilter. I mean, they, hadn't, they're, they haven't denied Jesus. They haven't stopped uh, doing Christian things. But they became blind to how they had gotten away from the real fellowship and away from the real priorities of Christianity. And Jesus' exhortation after his counsel is, so be earnest. The idea is do something. Repent. And before I spend the last few minutes outlining what repentance would look like for these Laodicean Christians, let me point out that the reward for repentance is better than anything money can buy. So wonderful that Paul the Apostle writes in Philippians chapter 3, and he says, whatever was to my profit. And he's talking in everything in life. He's talking everything about my former life. Everything was to my profit. I now consider a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I want to know the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship. The fellowship. There is nothing like coming close to Jesus. I mean, just, you, there's no drug. I've done a lot of drugs. I've done good drugs. Not recently, thank the Lord. <laughs> not in many years. But there's nothing like being high on Jesus. There's just nothing like it. And the extra house in the mountains or on the beach and the camper and no, you know, Mexican getaway and nothing, as much as those things may be enjoyable, they don't. They don't compare with fellowship with Jesus. The greatest thing of heaven are not streets of gold. The greatest thing about heaven is we're going to fellowship with Jesus and with the Father like we never have before, and it's never going to end. 
If you'll repent, he says, if you'll repent, if you'll follow my counsel and you'll repent, and it's going to involve sacrifice. That's clear from the counsel. It's going to involve sacrifice. Not just going to happen. A fool, someone said, is, is someone who keeps doing the same things, expecting different results. Let me say that again. Someone said a fool is someone who keeps doing the same things, expecting different results. Unless we hear this and really hear it with our hearts and do something different, it won't make any difference. So what would repentance look like? Well, I'm going to give you what I came up with, four things, and then we're going to close. Four things that I believe repentance would look like for a Laodicean Christian, someone who's lukewarm. They're not hot. They're not cold. They're lukewarm. Number one, I believe the Laodicean Christian would need to give more of their material wealth for kingdom purposes. I heard a statement recently. I forget where I heard it. In the last couple of weeks, I forget where I heard it, but it just pops into my mind. Someone said, if you get to a point in life, you feel like you need to give back, you probably took too much along the way. I think Laodicean Christian, because now they, they, they got out of kilter because of their blessing materially, now they need to take some of the material blessing and reprioritize. It doesn't mean necessarily that you sell the camper. That's between you and the Lord, me and the Lord, the boat, whatever it is. That's between us and the Lord. But if the material blessing is what is taking your time now and got your priorities off, then maybe just reprioritizing with your finances. And it's interesting. I thought of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12 where the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. And I wrote down this statement. The true value of an offering is not measured by how much we give. It's measured by how much we keep. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if the treasure increases materially, maybe God's saying, well, make sure you keep that in line with investing in kingdom purpose. Otherwise, your heart becomes attached more over here where more is left. Maybe you need to keep that thing even. And as you get blessed materially this way, then give more for kingdom purposes to help keep your heart right and your priorities straight. And I'll just read before I go to the second point where it says exactly that. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. And it's interesting how this is given to us. It's not a think about. It's not a I encourage you to. Here's what it says. This is God's word through the apostle Paul. Chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, verse 17. Command. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So having the things is not wrong. It's only when the things have us. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous. Generous. 
and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And it's not found in what money can buy. It's found in what money can buy. So I believe give more material wealth for kingdom purposes. Secondly, I believe a Laodicean Christian has to change their lifestyle routine. Change their lifestyle routine and add some regular sacrificial practices connected to the kingdom of God. Listen up, American church. Do do we really believe? I, I pray you don't believe this, and I pray if you do believe this, you don't believe it after you leave here today. That coming to church faithfully is what Jesus looks down and he goes, man, they are just on fire. On fire, they're there every week. Really? Now, I'm not downplaying attending regularly, meeting together regularly. The Bible is clear on that. Don't give up meeting together as the habit of some is. Don't, don't do what others do. Don't just become an occasional church attender. We ought to come together regularly. And the Bible says even more so as we see the day of Jesus approaching. But this time is to come and be fed and worship collectively and corporately. And then between here and next Sunday or next Saturday service, what are we doing? What are we doing that's related to the kingdom? What are we doing in terms of our time? A Laodicean Christian, I believe, needs to change lifestyle routine. Because you see, they got the gym this night, and they got the bowling this night, and they got the golf day, and they got this sports and that sport and the softball and all the stuff. And then, of course, you got the camper now, so you got the local things you do, and now you're going to go away, uh, you know, with the camper. You got to use the thing, you know, you want to not use it. That wouldn't be right. And what so easily happens, and it can happen to any of us. All of a sudden, you're spending more time at the gym and on the softball field and on the golf course and away in the camper, and you're just just wasting valuable time. And again, it doesn't mean that you totally do away with the other things. It just means that you reprioritize and you go, maybe something's got to shift. And maybe, yes, if there are too many things on the table, you got to go, well, what, what would we give up in order to get back on track and get a routine that's more in keeping with an on-fire Christian, someone that has their priorities straight? So give more material wealth for kingdom purposes. Change lifestyle routine and add some regular sacrificial practices for kingdom purposes. Number three. Make time, and this is connected with number two, but it's unique. Make time to spend with Jesus. I think when he's standing at the door knocking, and he's saying, if you'll just open the door, if you just open the door. I think one of the, one of the practical things is that they're so busy. They're so busy. Now, Martha and Mary, that story, Luke chapter 10, Martha was distracted by ministry. The Laodicean Christian is distracted by comfort, pleasure, and the things money can buy. Both are distracted, but distracted by different things. You have to make time. Make time. 
say, you know what? I am going to, I don't have to do what I was doing. I'm going to make time to get along. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time with Jesus. He's waiting. And number four, the Laodicean Christian had, I believe, lost sight of eternity. When I say lost sight of it, they, they believe they're going to heaven. Uh, they, they, they're believing in heaven still, you know, but heaven is not the priority now. Because the things of this life, things of this life have taken priority in the Laodicean Christian's life. God took me specifically to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 yesterday afternoon. I thought this was interesting. And I felt a strong pull by the Spirit and a prompting to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is marriage and divorce, but especially marriage. And he honed in yesterday afternoon on verse 29, and here's what it says. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Now, you've got to understand that in the context of Scripture. Don't misunderstand that. No, Jesus said, I'm not just pretend you're not there. I do what I want. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Because it's not. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. That's the Laodicean Christian. For this world, in its present form, is passing away. He goes on to say, I'd like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, one who is committed to Christ, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. He's not saying, forget the wife, even though you're married, and tell her, forget it. I'm just making Jesus number one. You're not even around. No. He's saying the practical challenge is keep Jesus number one and be a good husband and be a good father and be a good wife, etc. Because he goes on here to say, an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted, devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. And look, I don't want to get into expounding on that too much. I think you're going to get it here. The idea here as a Christian couple is you're married, and together you want to make sure that your priorities are focused on eternity. And husband, don't allow concern for your wife to go overboard and you're more concerned about her. Yes, be a good husband. Yes, be what Scripture says. But keep your focus on eternity. The same with the wife. Don't just in trying to please him and trying to do for him, forget that as a couple... Everything in this life is so temporary. Now, I'm almost done, and if you'll pay attention the last couple of minutes, I will shut up. God took me after 1 Corinthians to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, the great banquet, which is heaven, the great wedding banquet. 
Verse 16, a certain man, Jesus said, was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field. I must go and see it. So excited about this purchase. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I expanded the business. God's blessing me in the business. And I'm on my way to try them out. I'm going to check this thing out, see this business expand. Please excuse me. And still another said, get this one in light of where God took me first, to 1 Corinthians 7. I just got married. You don't understand all the, all the priorities of marriage. So please, excuse me. Every one of these excuses and the things tied to the excuse, not one of those things tied to the excuse is sinful in and of itself. Not one of them. Is it wrong for the business to expand? Man, I believe for a Christian, you commit your way to the Lord, your business will expand. But at the same time, God can do what he wants with the business to make sure that you keep your focus. Just a little quick word for some. Maybe your business is not doing well because if it had done well, maybe your priorities would have gotten off. And maybe now, because the business is not doing well, Man, you're pushing into Jesus more than ever. That's a blessing. None of them wrong in and of themselves. It's when things pull us away. And you're not cold. You're not just walking away. You're just not hot. You're just not on fire. Not long ago, I was reading through the book, The Circle Maker, and I highlighted, and I was going back through some of the highlights, and one of the things I noted that Mark Batterson, the author, who is also a pastor in D.C., he said about himself as a pastor, he said, here's my portfolio as a pastor. Number one, comfort the afflicted. And number two, afflict the comfortable. He then said it's the second half of his job as a pastor that's the most difficult. And what Jesus is doing here with the church of Laodicea, he's afflicting the comfortable because that's what happened to them. They got comfortable. And in the blessings of the Lord, they allowed the blessings of the Lord to cause them to shift. And they weren't cold. They just weren't hot. They were lukewarm. I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll open the door, I'll come in. And I'll have fellowship. We'll have fellowship together. There's no doorknob on Jesus' side. He will never, ever force his way. He's waiting on us. And we have to make the decision. Open the door. And for the Laodicean Christian, it means something's got to be different. There's going to be a cost involved. My priorities are going to need to change. If we'll make that decision, whatever it is, maybe it's more than one, open the door. And then what money can't buy, you begin to enjoy that sweet fellowship with the Savior. 
The book of Revelation isn't a pleasant book to study. It lays out for you the end of the world as you know it right now, and the devastation that will be falling on the world is overwhelming, and it can make you ache for the people who will have to endure it. It can also make you long for everyone you know to seek and find Jesus right now. Only He can save the people of the world from this terrible end and His grace is available right now to everyone. Today, let Jesus bring to mind those friends, family, and even acquaintances that you can be praying for and actively sharing His gospel message with. We know this isn't an easy task, so we'd like to support you in prayer. Please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Living Word. Pastor Danny will continue this verse-by-verse study of Revelation in our next edition of The Living Word. But right now, you can hear more by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. There you'll also learn more about Pastor Danny and the church these messages originate from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We'd love to meet you, so if you're in the area, please come join us for one of our weekend services. We gather each Saturday and Sunday to worship the Lord and learn from His Word, and we'd be honored to share that time with you. Be sure to stop Pastor Danny and let him know that you're a listener. You'll find all the information you need at ccfstpete.church. That's all we have for today. Tune in next time for more from the book of Revelation, right here on The Living Word. 